It's great to be here. I'm, I'm really uh, a privileged pr to, to be here and to, to share with you today. Uh, I want to first thank everyone, all the fathers that are here. If you are a father or have a father, raise your hand. Okay, that would be all of you. Never mind. Uh, but it's nice to nice to be able to be here and, and do that. I am a I am a proud father of three beautiful young ladies. Um, one of them is with I have proof with me. I brought brought my proof, and uh, and I have two wonderful wonderful son-in-laws. Uh, in fact, as I was preparing this message, I leaned heavily on Garrett uh, to uh, tell me what to say. No, uh, it, it, it was, it was, it, it, it's kind of really neat to be able to study and study and study and then sit down with somebody else who has a kind of a knowledge of what's going on and tussle back and forth with words and things. And it's, it was really, it was really kind of fun. But anyway, we're going to, uh, I, I, I don't like, while I love being a father, by, by the way, my, my, my girls are kind of free thinkers, um, they don't call us mom and dad. Um, it's mug and da, not duh, da, uh, mug and da. And uh, when when they were in college, they would, uh, you know, Mother's Day was always while they were away at school. And so they would find a time in between and they would celebrate our combined days. And they referred to it as da mug day. Uh, so we would celebrate, do something, and uh, it was it was wonderful. And I love being a dad. I love being a grandfather. Just three years ago, I, my oldest daughter uh, gave me my first—not her. She didn't. She didn't get the child. I got a grandfather. I became a grandfather, and it's delightful. It's charming. I've got pictures you can see afterwards. Uh, uh, but it's uh, it's it's a really been a real blessing but i do not i have never really enjoyed preaching on father's day uh, it seems as though father's day is sort of the forgotten celebration i like to preach through the bible exegetically you know verse by verse just like joel and larry and caleb do um so when you have a special day and you have to come up with a special standalone message that was always a challenge to me. Uh, during the summer, I would do uh, a series all the way through the, the summer series. I did uh, several several different themes. Well, the one that uh, that stands out to me is uh, is the, what I referred to as the summer psalm series. Number one, because it was sort of lyrical, you know, uh, summer psalm series, and all good pastors are going to alliterate. You got to, even though the psalm is a P, it's that's okay. Um, but summer, uh, and I learned so much during that time, um, and I absolutely love it. I don't know if you guys are into psalms, whether you have a favorite psalm or. But th that is, see, I like the narratives, you know, the storyline. Uh, but the psalms are really interesting and deep, and a couple of things. And 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 what what we're going to do? I want to. <laughs> sorry about this. I want to teach a little about psalms, about lit that form of literature and but then we want to get into the context of psalm 128 because i think that is a father's psalm i'll explain that as we get into it 
Actually, 127 is its companion, and I'm gonna, we're going to read that too, just briefly, but it's more well-known, and you'll recognize a lot of its lines as we go through it. But Psalm 128, to me, is just precious and uh, really cuts to the quick. It's basics. I remember uh, hearing the story of um, uh, the great Vince Lombardi when, when the, the Packers were having a very bad, bad year. They had a real bad year. So the first day of spring training, um, he stood up in front of his team and uh, knowing that they had just fallen flat the year before. And the first thing he did is he got a football and he held it up and he said, gentlemen, this is a football. And sometimes we need to go back to the very basics. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go to what I consider to be one of the core elements of the walk of the believer. That's kind of what 128 is, is referring to, talking about, and we want to get into that. But, um, but before we do, I want to just highlight a few things. Oh, I'm, I didn't mention this before, and I will now. As I was preparing for my sermon during the week, I looked at my, my library, uh, my book, actually, it's, it's not a library, it's a bookshelf. Uh, looked at my bookshelf, and I realized that I was afraid I had no King James Version. Because we use King James Version. I, I appreciate all of the other versions of that teach the word. Uh, my favorite is ESV, but I do have a King James. I picked it up, I opened it up, and I realized that this text, this Bible, was my grandfather's Bible who was a pastor of a Baptist church in Gothenburg, Nebraska. And it just in my mind's eye, I can see him taking this Bible to the pulpit. And now, X number of years later, I have the privilege of continuing his legacy by preaching using this Bible. It kind of thrills me to be able to do that. So stop that, I promised. I practiced all week not crying during the sermon. So let me, let's, let's get into this. Uh, a couple things I want to mention about Psalms, about wisdom literature, and about Hebrew poetry before we get started. First off, the Psalms, I don't know if you are familiar with them or whether you just have favorites or whatever, but there's 150 Psalms. But what most people don't realize is that there are five books within the 150 Psalms. Uh, 1 through 41, and then 42 through 70-something. Anyway, I'll have those for you. And if you're in an NIV or an e, uh, NASB or an ESV, it will label each book within there. But there's five books of Psalms. Um, there are a lot of people just assume David wrote them, and he did, about half of them. You're half right. Uh, he wrote about 76 of the 150 Psalms. But there are several others, and they are identified. Asaph, uh, the sons of Korah, uh, but there are, Moses wrote one, Psalm 90. He, it was, and that was, the, the span of time from the beginning of one to the last one is probably over 900 years. But it's, it's a collection of poems designed to be sung, most of them. We don't know if, I don't know if all of them were sung or not. I Unlike popular opinion, I wasn't there, uh, but 
they were intended, most of them were intended to be sung, but, uh, and, and the one that we're going to look at today definitely was sung, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But there, it, there's, there's, uh, the, the organization is, is different, but then there's also the topics of each of the books. Uh, there's different approaches that several of them take. There, there's some categorized as devotional songs, which is the majority of them, uh, but there are some that are penitential or seeking penitence. Psalm 51 comes to mind. You know, I've, I've done wrong. I'm, you know, forgive me, O Lord. That's penitential. Then there's some that are, it's imprecatory is, is the actual, the, the technical term, imprecatory, but it's basically, and I can just see David sitting there and his, the enemies are coming down on him and he's, he's basically saying, Lord, these guys are killing me. Get rid of them. Take them out. It's a curse psalm and there's several of those but then there's also psalms that are identified as uh hallel or hallelujah psalms uh, there are some that are acrostic one psalm 119 comes to mind most it's one of the most famous it's 107 some of it's it's eight times 22 whatever that is uh there's eight eight line there's 22 eight line stanzas throughout and each stanza begins with the, the, the first the letters of the of the Hebrew alphabet. And all the words in that, all eight, all eight verses of each section begin with that same letter. There and uh, and then the, the, uh, that's acrostic. There's several that are messianic. Some of it, some are historic. Messianic back back in the back there, how, how many hundreds of years before Christ was here, they were singing about him. They didn't know that, but uh, they were singing about the Messiah, and, and we you can go there. And if, if, by the way, anything I say, I'm not going to take time to explain. Come and ask me later; I'll tell you about it. There's some stories that I won't have time to talk about. Nope, I'm already late. Uh, so we'll anyway get just we'll get there. Ask me, ask me later, and I'll tell you. Um, the, the one that, the, but the one we're going to be looking at is identified as a um, a degree psalm or a, an ascent psalm. Tradition says Hezekiah is responsible for all fifteen of those psalms. Ten he wrote himself, and the other five he collected. Solomon wrote one, which we're going to look at in a minute. But uh, probably David wrote uh, a, several, a couple of them. Uh, but there's, it's a collection of, of seven. Now, the, the, what sets these psalms apart from the other are these are psalms that were sung as people would, pil Jewish pilgrim, pilgrims would travel to Jerusalem for festivals. Uh, and they'd be singing along as they go. And, uh, and this one almost mimics uh, a festival service, that one that we'll look at. Uh, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna dive in. I want to look carefully. And by the way, I'm I'm not a preacher. I feel more of like a teacher than a preacher. So I want to teach, and I'm going to be teaching poetry. So bar the doors, nobody out. Uh, po poetry is not my favorite in school, but don't think of Hebrew poetry in the same way you think of English poetry. It's not iambic pentameter it's not rhyming lines it's not you da 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 mary had a little it's not that kind of stuff 
it, it uses different different theme, themes, different formats, but it's absolutely gorgeous and it's beautiful and it's meaningful. It's in its context as well as in its structure uh, is what Hebrew poetry is. Uh, it's wisdom literature. Wisdom literature, little brief note. I'm getting way... I'm already on too many rabbit trails. We're going to be here for until about 4 o'clock, so don't worry. Um, but the, the, the Hebrew uh, poetry uh, uses structure. It uses imagery. It, it is not a promise. I remember so many times people holding on to this. Raise up a child in the way he should go, and he will not depart from it. And they're holding God hostage. I taught him that. You can't let him go. And then the kid runs, run, you know. It is not a promise. It is the understanding of life from God's perspective and God's design. This is how God designed it to happen. And that's, so we need to, we need to keep that in mind as we, as we go through. Um, so with that in mind, I'm going to, uh, actually, before I get started preaching, I'm going to pray. And like I told the first group, it's not because Joel's prayer wasn't sufficient, wasn't adequate. You missed it so many points. No, uh, it's not that. I just need to pray for myself to collect my thinking and, and ask him to guard my lips so that what I say is not my thinking, but his wisdom. And so let's just ask God for that. Father, we just want to thank you so much. I thank you for the fathers that are here. I thank you for the fathers that we've had and, and the things that you've, whether it's a good example or a bad example, Lord, I just thank you for our fathers. And Lord, I, I pray that you would bless us as we now turn to your word. Your word is so important, so valuable, so rich. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, this morning, I pray that you would give us a willingness to lay ourselves open before you so that you can do whatever surgery is necessary for us to follow you and to be conformed to your image. Bless us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With that in mind, we're going to dive into 25. 25 is a companion of 127. I think I already said that. Okay, so just erase that part of the tape and uh, well, I've already said it. No, I want to do, I want to read 127 though, because it's probably the more popular father psalm. Uh, you will recognize a lot of its um, terminology, a lot of its lines as we go through. Um, oh, where'd my, oh, here, here's my glasses. Don't worry. I found it. Um, but 127 says this. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, which has been my mantra throughout my history, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, Anxious, I, sorrows, anxious thoughts, uh, labor. No, it's, it's foolish to keep up wake, worrying late at night over issues. For so he, 
sorry about this thing. So, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Don't you love that line? Now we're getting to the father part. Lo, children are an heritage to the Lord, of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of the mighty of mighty men of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy, remember that word. Happy is the man that hath a quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they will speak with the enemies to the gate. At the gate, they're, they're going to be recognized and they will be respected if the conditions are met. Now, the the Psalm that's the first one, and you've probably heard those before. But Psalm 28 is its companion. It was written by Hezekiah. The first one was written by Samuel, uh, Solomon, uh, and the diff the their their reigns separated by 213 years, so it's at least 200 200 years apart, probably closer to 250 years apart. So, but and and Hezekiah, okay, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going anyway. There's a tradition that Hezekiah wrote or is responsible for all 15 of the all 15 of the ascent psalms. Ten of them he wrote. There's a reason for it. I don't have time for that. Ask me later. Ten, ten of them he wrote, but there's 15, and he is responsible, they believe, the tradition is, that he went out and selected five more throughout the history of, uh, of Jewish literature to complete the 15. And there's a reason for it, but ask me later. The first one, Solomon, Second one, the, the 28 is Hezekiah's. Um, this, this is the, the one we just read. Okay, I'm, I'm old. Got to remind me. We just read 27, right? Okay, good. We're ready to go then. 28 is its companion, and uh, it, it's, it's, there's a structure to it. And I really want to take a little bit of time with the structure itself. If you have a word, you, got, you can see all 26 verses. Keep that in your lap while, while we go through this. Because there's some things about it that are, are actually very indicative of Hebrew poetry. The structure is part of that. The, the, it begins with the words, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. I just want to take a note, note realize, look, look at that passage. That's written about the third person. Blessed is everyone. Everyone is a third person. I, you, he, she, it's, that's third person. Look at number two. Number two says, and I've, I've divided them already up in my mind. Um, oh, that, okay, uh, verse two. Okay, that's what I did. I put the whole things out of order, so that's why I'm having problems. Um, blessed everyone that work, feareth the Lord. Uh, number two, for thou shalt, thou, second person, thou shalt eat the labor of, uh, of thine hands, happy shalt thou, 
third per, second person be and it shall be well with the sec, uh, second person and thy second person wife shall be as fruitful as a vine by the sides of thine house thine second person children like all the plants all the plants around thy thy second person table so, okay verse one written in third person two and three no one third person two and three Second person, okay, watch the, 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 the theme now. Now we're going to jump down to four. And verse four, um, there it is. Behold, that thus shall the man, that's third person. Thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. Verse five, for the Lord shall bless thee, second person, out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Ye shall see thy children's children, and peace, peace be upon Israel. There's a rhythm, there's a form, there's a structure here, and it goes, which helps us understand the organization of thoughts that, that Hezekiah is getting to us. Number one is a general principle, refers to all people, in fact, I said this was a Father's Day psalm. Actually, it's for everybody, but we're going to get to the Father part in a minute. This is true. Now, this is how it applies to you. That's what that does. In the second section, we're back to the general principle. And if you note, the general principles are fairly similar. There's few words that are shared in both of those verses. The fear of the Lord blessed those are things we want to unpack a bit but uh, we we have those those two uh, ideas and then we go back to second person and it's a different thing and there's a, uh, we'll we'll get there in a minute but well anyway so there we are i'm i'm ready to, to get started I, the way i've organized it is is i want to look at verse one and verse four together because that establishes the condition or the principle uh, of, uh, of of what he's talking about. The, the man who fears the Lord, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, or the person and everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. But then the next verses have to do with the rewards for doing this behavior. And then we come back and we re reprise, we come up with that idea again. And then the last three verses are written differently. It's written in the form of a benediction. And he's praying for those who are now leaving the festival. Okay, so those are the categories we want to look at. Uh, we're going to look at the condition. We're going to look at the, the rewards. We're going to look at the prayer or the, uh, the benediction. Or for being a good pastor, you want to have it all alliterated. It's going to be the principle, uh, the the pr uh, prize, and the so another p uh, the prayer. Uh, there you go. We got. We're ready now. We can. We can now preach this. Uh, anyway, that's what we're going to do. Now, for, so let's let's look look first at the. That's what I. I, I I'm just going to lay these out here so I can. Okay, the very first thing we do, we want to look at the at the first part, and the, and the word blessed uh, needs to be understood. The word used here is the word ashray. I know. Okay, it's going to be on the test, so you want to write that down. 
uh, Ashray basically is a state of mind. It's a, it's a condition. It's, a, it's who we are. Um, blessed or happy, well, same word translated happy here, and back in 27, the quiver is full, happy is the man who's with, same word, ashray, uh, happy or fortunate perhaps is, is the right word, but, but we put ourselves in a position of blessing when we do these particular, when we follow this condition. Blessed is everyone who and here's where, we, here's where we begin to scare people off. Happy is everyone who lives in fear of God. Well, that's not what it says. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. And the reason we balk at that in our culture is because we don't understand fear and we don't understand God. The fear of the God, is, fear of God is, we have a, what I've been calling the, the whack-a-mole concept of God. Anybody ever played, you know, familiar with whack-a-mole? Okay, good. There, there, we're, there, we're there. Whack-a-mole, it's, it's, a, it's a penny arcade game, and there's a, a table with a bunch of holes in it, and you're given a little hammer, a rubber ha mallet, and uh, you put your money in, and all of a sudden, a mole pops up through one of those holes. And your job is to whack it. And then another one will pop up in another hole. And then you got to go over there and whack it. And as it continues, it comes popping up all over the place. So you're just... And that's the concept a lot of people have about fearing God. That God is the one with the mallet, and we're the moles that are popping up through the hole to enjoy things. And whenever we're out of bounds, whenever we're not experiencing the, the, the holiness, he whacks us. That's not a good concept. It's not a proper, it's not a healthy. One of the reasons we, society, we, and sometimes the church, has that concept is because we don't understand God. We don't understand, it, our, our concept of God is way too narrow. One of, the, um, one of the tools that I have benefited from is something known as the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is a series of questions with answers. It's an educational tool for kids. And uh, the, the question that I really like is that very question. Who is God? And the answer to that is God is a spirit, infinite eternal, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, I get these all out of, in his being, wisdom, well, let me find it or I'll mess it all up, being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. That's Westminster Shorter Catechism. What does that mean? Well, it means that God is absolute, total, in his power and his righteousness. Oh, that's where we get the, the fear part. But what we fail to realize is that God at the same time is all immense, eternal, unchanging in his love, in his goodness. Scripture says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. While it is true that God is all-powerful and all-righteous, 
we cannot allow that to dismiss the fact that he is absolute love. Our view of God needs to expand to incorporate all of that. We have no reason to fear unless we're choosing to act, live in rebellion against him. And then we should fear. But God is love and he wants us. And if we follow his ways, he embraces us and we can love him. Blessed is all those who fear God and walk in his ways. I just love that. And then verse four is the same, basically uses the same thing. But the condition is we need to be people who respect and fear. There needs to be a reverential fear of who God is. To the point where we will do what he says. Not because he's an ogre who wants to bang us, to whack us. But because he loves us and wants the best for us. Now there's a condition, there's rewards for those. And we move into verses 2 and 3. Uh, we, there's some rewards that he wants us to have. Uh, and, and for those who follow him, these are, are things that are part of his design. Um, the first, the, the, the blessings are stated like this. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways, for they shall eat of the labor of thine hands. Happy shall thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Now, the very first thing that he prom promises, the very first thing that he has established as part of his design is that we would enjoy the work, the labor that he has provided for us. Now, this is written for an agrarian society, and, and basically, he, I think he had in mind that those are out there tilling the ground and, and, and doing the work. They're going to enjoy the fruit of their labor. They're going to grow crops that they can sit around the table and enjoy. And it's going, you're going to be happy in the work that he has provided, and it's going to be good for you. That's part of the plan. For those who follow him, who, those who fear him and walk in his way, that's what we can expect. An enjoyment in the labor that he gives us. Uh, okay, I'm, one of the examples, well, I'm way out of time. Ask me about uh, Haggai. Well, I'll tell you that story later. We don't have time. Uh, but uh, the, the, there's a reward in, in, serve, in, in fearing God in our work. The second sphere of enjoyment and pleasure is our families. Um, verse, verse 3 follows up um, on that. Uh, for, um, no, that was wrong. Okay, here, I'm, I found it, don't worry. Um, for the wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. I need to explain. That's not the picture. It's not that the wife is hanging on the side of the house. Uh, that's not exactly. But there's imagery that is goes along with it. But it, it, what he's saying is your wife is going to be, by the way, fruitful would be a very pleasant thing. Uh, to have a, a quiver full of of babies would be a, a wealth, a welcomed thing in that culture, in that society. Um, and what, she, what he's basically saying is if you follow me, the relationship you have at home with your wife is going to be pleasurable. It's going to be 
all that I've designed it to be. Follow me, and I'll give you that family. Your, your second thing he says is your, the, the, your, your children will be, well, sprouts uh, around the table. You'll be little olive trees around the table. Now, grapes and, and, and olives were very pleasurable food items in that culture. Uh, the olive oil was very needed and necessary and very pleasant. Um, the wine was a refreshing thing in that culture and, and enjoyable. And, and, and So we're looking at things that were very pleasant on the table there in Israel. Your family life will be a pleasure. It will be something that you can embrace and enjoy. That's, that's not the promise. That's the design that God has for those who fear him and walk in his way. I am running out of time, so I'm going to skip to the end. There's one more point. Number one, and, and we're going to do a little play on words here because the very first work, uh, word is ashray, and it means the state. This is the state that you will be in if you follow the plan. But then the, the next one is the word Baruch. And Baruch is basically an action word. It says, I am blessing you. I am. And it's what the priest would do at the end of the sermon or the end of the, they don't have sermons there. At the end of the festival celebrations, the first part would be the priest welcoming people into the temple. Oh, come in, all you that, that fear the Lord and blessing upon you. And now the, the service is over. However, they had services back in those, I don't know. But they're getting ready to leave the temple. And, this, and the same priest is now sitting there saying, now bless you and keep you. May, your, may his face shine upon you and be gracious on you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you grace. That's a benediction, Aaron's benediction. It's a blessing as they go. And here's the priest, and he's saying, listen, that's the condition. And now I just wish blessing upon you. And the blessings have some very important significance to it. In verse 3, he says, Behold, thus shall the man of God be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion. You will be blessed. Zion. And <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm on another rabbit trail. The in, in Israel, I don't know if you know me, if, if you know me much at all, you know that I really get into the geography of stuff. But in, in, the, in Jerusalem, in Israel, the Temple Mount, the, the, the place, the, 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 not the highest point, but a high point or the peak of that mount was Zion. Um, Zion, is, in fact, it became the, uh, the designation for all of Israel. Uh, a Zionist is one who, who favors Israel and, and fights for Israel, Zion. But it's not the highest point in Israel. There's a point 10 feet higher, Mount Moriah. Uh, Mount Moriah is the same place where Abraham had attempted to sacrifice Isaac, his son. Uh, and God stopped him and said, no, 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 now I understand it. You love me. Uh, it is the same point, and I didn't realize this till halfway through seminary, that that is the very same point where the temple was built on that same spot uh, or 
close to it. But the temp, Mount Moriah is now the Temple Mount. That's, that's 10, feet, 10 feet higher than Zion. Now, there's one more point that's higher than that, and it's uh, Mount of Olives, which is 150 feet higher than those. And it's sort of the balcony on the other side of the Kidron Valley and overlooks the whole thing when you go to Israel. And when you go to Israel, uh, when you go to Israel, you'll come up, if you come up from um, uh, Jericho, you come up this steep thing, you go through a tunnel, and you come out at the Mount of, Top, Mount of Olives, and you're overlooking that gorgeous sight of Israel. And um, I can't imagine what it must have looked like when the temple was there instead of uh, the Dome of the Rock or whatever they call it. But they, uh, what a, what a, it's, it, and, and, Okay, needless to say, what, what he's saying is my bl blessings from the very seed of where God lives, from his heart. May you be blessed from his heart. And Jerusalem, his holy city, blessings from there. And then he moves into a, a second little phrase, and I, it, it's, it's really precious. Um, it is, um, yea, thou shalt seed thy children's children. Peace be upon Israel. You, you will see thy children's children. Now there's significance there because we're now talking about a heritage. We're talking about just not those sitting around my table but those are sitting around my table and all those who will be products of those sitting around my table. It is a generational thing. It's being passed on. You know, there is a responsibility that we have to pass on the legacy of fearing God and following his ways. We have a responsibility to pass that on to our kids so that they will pass it on to their kids and on down the line. Someone once told me, and it scares me to death, we are one generation removed from any knowledge of Christianity. It becomes our responsibility to pass it on. That's everyone's responsibility, but man, I tell you, you are in a particular position of of influence. God has called each one of us to model what it means to fear God and follow him because people are watching. Our children are watching. That's the, the blessing. That's what the priest said as a as they exited, as they, as they left. I, uh, I'm, I'm out of time, uh, which is, is really what the pastor says just as he runs out of notes. Um, but, uh, and now these are all mixed up, so don't ask me to preach again. Um, but the, if I had, if I have anything I could do, what I would do is I would be praying for you. I would give you a benediction. Uh, and I would say, Lord, help us to be in fear of you in the right way. 
to respect your person, to be what you've called us to be. And may we be an influence to others. Here's my benediction. Lord, help us to walk in the light that you have given us. And may we light the path of those who follow. In Jesus' name.